Thank you, Carrie, and thank you, Sis, for being on the call this evening with us. It's been a great evening sharing and praying and just being a part of this oneness movement that we're all one in the spirit. So, Carrie, Renee mentioned that you're one of our oldest in our community, and I was going to call you Grandpa, Grandpa Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) He's an elder, and it's like... I, how many years has it been? Is it over 20? Yeah, I think it's 23 or 24, something like that. Wow, that's beautiful. All treasured years that I remember you. Just thank you for being on the call. And we have Sis with us tonight. She's our newest novice in our community. So we admire her for taking the, the plunge, so to speak, and walking with the divine with Celebrating Life. So welcome, Sis. Thank you, Padre. Thank you. Well, Sis, would you bless us with an opening prayer for all our community and for those who are listening tonight? I would love to. I would love to. I took this prayer from Carolyn Mace's Instruments Conversations with the Divine. The one I opened the book and I said, okay, which one fits? And this one popped up. Lord, just the thought that this world is an intimate, holy theater of life fills me with wonder. But that thought comes and goes. I cannot hold it. Grant me the grace of wonder, the experience of feeling the power and wonderment incarnated in my blood and bones. I know that experience will change my life. The world will become an intimate, holy place for me. And there is no looking back after that. But it fills me with wonder to wake up and pray, hey, what do you want me to do today with my life, Lord? I love you, my Lord, my God. Amen. Beautiful. So did you wake up with that prayer this morning, sis? Yes, I did. I usually open a book and say, okay, what am I supposed to learn today? What am I supposed to do today? And this book kind of popped out in my awareness this morning. And I thought, hmm, okay, maybe I'm supposed to say this prayer tonight. And then you text me, would I open, do an open prayer? And I went, ah, that's why this prayer jumped out. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, you know, I just want to welcome everyone to uh, this Celebrating Life teleclass and our two beautiful co-hosts with me tonight. And we're going to be talking about Tent to the Garden. And that can mean many different things. And hopefully each of us will bring a variety of thoughts that, each of us can step into or maybe practice if we haven't in, on our own. But really, for me, tend to the garden is the garden of our heart, that soul that is within us that sometimes gets broken, sometimes gets hurt, but it also can be tend to the universe, tend to the atmosphere of your home, tend to the, your relationships. There's a variety of ways that each of us can, I call it, adjust our well-being, our personality, our character, in a sense. So i just like to dive into that tonight and really explore with the Holy Spirit, with the light beings, with our spiritual guides, what will come through tonight. And hopefully you will be blessed and we will also learn together each other's spiritual growth besides maybe it's time to even prune some of the things that we thought were good fruit, but maybe it's time just to cut away and allow it to uh, let go and bear new fruit or new insights. With that said, Carrie, you've been in this spiritual realm, so to speak, many, many years. And tending to your garden or tending to your 
let's say ministry in a sense, there's a desire, there's a, a, a ability to teach, to inspire, but also to read people's hearts. So in the, the capacity of tending to the garden, your garden, your personal garden, how would you say, what does that mean to you or what does that position you to do when you hear that thought? Okay, thank you, Padre. And I'd like to also thank Renee and Pat, uh, who are behind the scenes, sort of, Pat more so, <laughs> yes. and all the people on here as well, and you too, sis, for being on here too. And congratulations. <laughs> I didn't know you were an office until I got the email. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Well, I think you know everybody has their own garden, their own way, their own truth. Each of us, the divine makes each of us unique. And so our path, our journey back home or back to the authenticity of our true self is, is unique and it's different for each person. So I'll share for me, I've seen in life that all roads lead to God. It's not just oh, do this practice or do that prayer or walk that way. All roads. Um, life is designed that way that every experience, whether we label that as positive or negative, joyful or painful, every experience, if we can open to the authenticity of it, if we can experience it completely, I found that all roads lead to God. All roads. So I like to share just a little funny story. Oh on yeah. How, on how wacky this mm. is. Is that okay? I'll, I'll be brief here, Padre. <laughs> sure. Uh, so one time I was I was in India and I was in a taxi cab and I was returning. I had been there on the Oneness University campus for 22 days and I was returning to catch my flight back to San Francisco and we got caught in traffic and on the outskirts of Chennai, mm. which is a big city. We weren't going anywhere. <laughs> the cows were right. passing us up, but, but we weren't going anywhere. And uh, like, like many countries, uh, most of their vehicles are diesel, so the smell of diesel oh, is intense yeah. when yeah. you get into the city. To make it more intense, there was this big truck. <laughs> in World War II, they had these big, they called them deuce and a half flatbed trucks, and I think they all got bought by India because <laughs> they use them to carry the produce. They, they paint them all colorful colors. It's not just drab green. <laughs> anyway, anyway, this tailpipe is as big as my face, and it's right on my passenger window. And they drive very closely together so I can just yeah. reach out and touch it easily. So my reality to that point had been the smell of diesel, if it gets too intense, makes me nauseous. And then I want to throw up, and I... There's nothing worse than being at 40,000 feet for 24 hours <laughs> having to throw up. That's true. <laughs> oh, I forgot that picture, but yes. <laughs> so I rolled up all the windows, but the smell was coming in the taxi cab, and nonetheless, and, but I was in this state of non-resistance, complete non-resistance. And so I could experience life, diesel smell, without the filter of my mind. I didn't know that's what was going on. That's what was happening. And I ended up falling in love with the smell of diesel. Uh, not only falling in love with it, I could smell there were three distinct flavors. But one, they were each really, I mean, beyond anything I had smelled before. But one was beyond anything. It was like if you could take the best thing you've ever smelled and eaten 
and you could multiply it by 30 billion, that's what I was experiencing. It was total bliss. I, I couldn't wow. even really sit still or I was just kind of like Stevie Wonder. My head was going side to side. <laughs> I, was, I was in bliss. And so I rolled down my window and I stuck my face right in the tailpipe and I was breathing as deeply as I could. And, and my mind is saying, Carrie, this is crazy. You don't like the smell of diesel, but it's also telling me this is beyond anything. How, were you just not paying attention for 40 something years of your life? You know, this is like sure. beyond. And so I found that like that experience, if, if we let down our barriers and we can just experience life, be it again, what we label as good or bad, all roads lead to God, not just what we think of as nice or pleasurable. All roads lead to it. That's kind of my garden. That's kind of my experience. I'm not fully there. I, there's times I'm there. <laughs> there's times I'm not. But, but I will say that with my garden, I can't. It's hard to even conceive. Oh, I like that. Oh, I don't like that anymore. It's just one experience after another. And if I can really sink into the experience. The end result is God or bliss or freedom or gratitude or love. It's all that. Wow, I I love that story, Carrie, because the, the transformation or the, the awareness of it just turned into bliss, something that would make you sick, actually turned it right around and made you so joyful and to experience all the, quote, flavors of carbon monoxide. It's like, come on. But there yeah. it is. You know, I know it. Anyway, no, I won't go there. <laughs> Padre scheming already. <laughs> but yes, what a story to um, acknowledge, number one, and again, uh, being neutral to that experience, whether it's good or bad. And, you know, I like my highs and my, I don't like my lows in a sense of, but yet I'm aware of how to, I call it, balance my own garden. We just had in the Christian world, we had um, Easter that showed up, was it last weekend? I prepare, you know, the 40 days uh, we call Lent, or I call Lent in the Catholic world, preparing my soul, you know, just to be clean, you know, whatever that means in a sense, but I was more intentional and just put more awareness of God in it. And what happened to me in my garden was come Easter, my brain, and I would say I have no brain anymore. I, I would say I woke up and my mind was empty. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> this has never happened before, you know, and since then, my brain is empty, and it's like, I know I fill it with stuff, but it's still empty, and I've never had that experience, so I know I'm shifting, you know, my own awareness of, you know, the good, the bad, but there's always just God, that awareness of God. So to me, that tending the garden, there is a positioning that we could take, you know, like yourself, it's like, you one of those tools would be surrender. And if we can let the emotions go and just allow God's grace to manifest like you did, you get an extremely beautiful experience from that. So I love that story, Carrie. Now, how about you, sis? You know, what is tending in your garden or how do you position yourself to do life, so to speak? Okay, well, to me, tending my garden is more of a, pra a daily practice of my meditation and prayer 
to me, it's the difference between, uh, like, if you're going to start a garden, you start rototilling at this time of the year, and you plant a seed, or you could bury the seed. If you don't water it, and you don't take care of it, it's right. just going to be buried. And to me, that's what meditation and prayer is. And if I don't do my routine every day of meditation and prayer, and I think it was you, Padre, that said one time, you get up 4.30 every morning. And I thought, hmm, maybe he's got something there. It's quiet and you could really dig in. You know, that that's wonderful. And my story is a pretty profound one that... For years, I could do a meditation and prayer every morning, and I've been able to see spirits since I was a little girl. I mean, most kids went to church to pray. I went to church to watch the spirits go in and out of the saint. It was like a show for me, you know? (laughs) It was. So here I am. I I didn't realize I wasn't hearing spirit and I wasn't seeing spirit. And this was a couple years ago. And I went in front of my altar and I cried and I said, God, if you're going to do this to me, take me. I can't live without seeing spirits or hearing you. And then all of a sudden I heard, go to work. I said, oh, now you want to talk to me? <laughs> so I started. <laughs> so I went yeah. to I went to work and a chiropractor that I work with said to me, hey, my sister went to a nutritionist. Why don't you give him a call? So I looked up, I said, okay, Holy Spirit, you work pretty quick, don't you? (laughs) And so then, uh, real nice, I uh, called that doctor, and uh, sure enough, he said, wow, we just had a cancellation. Would you like it? I said, absolutely. Well, that was 135 pounds ago. But what I realized, what I realized that that was God's way of saying, yeah, you could plant a garden, but you got to weed it. You know, you just can't, you just can't pray and meditate. You right. got to weed. You got to take care of your body. There's other things you got to do. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, God, if this is the game, let's go. So I'm uh, still struggling and trying to lose a few more pounds. But yeah, that was my uh, profound story of how the, how God got my attention because yeah. I just thought, well, I, I meditate in prayer every day, and I, I, hey, I'm good to go. That's not true. That's not true. There's other steps you need to take. There's other things you need to, you know, just keep going at. And you got to keep tending that garden. you got to keep working at it. I found out so many things, like I was taught in Brazil how to uh, meditate. And uh, I think it was back in 1999 or maybe 2000, You know, they said you have to do a breathing technique where you breathe from your first chakra and pull it all the way up, all the way up and hold for about five seconds and then breathe out for eight. Well, I never understood it. You know, anybody that went to Brazil, they know, oh, we'll tell you later. Later never comes. You never get the explanation. (laughs) One day I happened to turn uh, YouTube on and there was Joe Dispenza explaining that when you pull that energy, wherever you place your attention, that's where your energy goes. And that you pull up the energy from your first chakra, which is a fluid that goes up your spine, and you pull it up into your pituitary gland, which your pituitary gland is all crystals. And when you pull that fluid in, it lights up the crystals. And what you're doing, and for the new people, the young people, they'll understand this the best way, is you are turning on the Wi-Fi to the spirit world. 
your head is lighting up and you're going from beta to theta to gamma. And once you get in that gamma space, it is such a feeling and you know you're in the God consciousness and you want to stay there because it's such a wonderful feeling. And that to me was enlightenment. And what I realized through this whole experience is meditation is about dissolving who you were and the meditation you got that you get to leave behind who you were so you could be, become who you are now. And the in, in through the enlightenment, Ron Roth always talked about letting go of your belief system, your opinions, your judgment, the way you were raised. And that's so true as you meditate and you become a senior in meditation and you get into it and you get into the God consciousness, your judgments, opinions, and beliefs just roll off your back like water. Now, as Ron would always say, you're setting a trap for God. And I thought, how the hell are you going to set a trap for God, someone that knows all and is all? Right. But now, <laughs> I'm like, how's that going to work out? You know. And I laughed right. about it, but that's when the grace unfolds. And under that vibrational energy, it's enlightenment. And, it, and it's easy only if you're interested in it. Like you're saying, okay, I'm interested. I want to wake up. I want to wake up. And there it is. You know, when you say that, inf- you say that affirmation, uh, the oneness and the presence, it just unfolds. And that's what meditation, when you're at the height of it, what it's done for me and what it's doing for me. Well, you've talked so, that story is beautiful, sis, because of the, your, what, to me, what you're sharing is, I call it spiritual tools, positioning. Right. And then there's that place of just releasing, relaxing, dropping it, whatever it might be. And as Carrie would say, it doesn't matter the good or the bad. It's just God is. And God seems to know our nature, what we need as a little push. Other times, zip it, you know, whatever it might be. But yet, (laughs) we all want beautiful gardens. I mean, I'm a gardener. I love my uh, flowers that I have. Roses is one of my favorite. But I do annual and perennial and all those things. But I love the beauty of flowers. But there's work involved. There's watering involved. There's pulling the weeds. In, I mean, it's just fertilizing. Uh, like in our prayer life, what sustains us? I remember, and I think I told this once before, but traveling with Ron Roth and Teresa and Melody, and I think we were in California. We were Ron was going to do a the five o'clock news. He was going to be on the five o'clock news, and so we left early and. We got caught up in rush hour, like Carrie, and said, oh, my God, what's going to happen here? And my mentor, Ron Roth, is a very patient man. <laughs> and, and for some reason, I got lost because I was the driver. And I remember yeah. he got so frustrated. <laughs> I was in the second lane uh, to the left, and then it was, there was a turning lane. And all I, uh, we were at a stop sign, and, of course, it was a rush hour, and, and we needed to be there in 10 minutes. I had no idea where it was. You know, I was lost. So Ron Roth in his very holy moment says, turn! (laughs) So I just immediately turned left and got into the turning lane. Well, unbeknownst to me, there was a car coming, and this car went through our car. So when I say, tending to this garden, sometimes we do not know what the Spirit does. And protected us, of course. But I've never, I've never experienced that before. 
first time, but to see this car go through our car, we were all stunned. I was the driver, but yet I was like, uh, what just happened? And of course I turned and then I just turned off to the next road because I was so shocked I wanted to get off the road and here the studio was right there. You know, it's just like, okay, this is the divine orchestration of the heavens. Even though when I get yelled at, I turn spontaneously and this car goes through and it protects us. But don't we live in this universe called God and he knows all our thoughts. He knows where we're to be and how we are to be positioned. That's the mercy of God. That's the tenderness of God. That's the beauty of just trusting in God, whether it didn't work out or it did work out. It was all part of the divine plan. And whenever I talk about this, I still have this feeling of what it felt like experiencing that. And to me, there's just because spirit is manifestation and he, can, he, she can take us wherever they decide. So, but tending this garden, if we do all our, quote, works or our abilities or our what's necessary, then we let it go because just like planting flowers, seeds, whatever it might be, it still needs the universe to help us so it can rain on it. So the sunshine can draw up the seed and become a form. So we still always trust in that divine presence that's within us. Talk about what feeds our spiritual garden, what types of, I call it fertilizer, good old farmer that I am, or the nourishing of the spirit. Carrie, what do you, or do you have any form, or is it just going into the silence and uh, to listen to what the next step is for your life? Yeah, you know, years ago, I was pretty disciplined, <laughs> much more so than I am now. <laughs> and, uh, okay. Um, and I was, a, I was a regular meditator three times a day, Kriya Yoga, which was Yogananda's uh, method of uh, oh, yeah. connecting with God. And, and I still do that. I still do that every day. But I found that uh, it's not the only way. It, mm-hmm. it, yes, it takes me to a level of consciousness. And as Sis says, when you're in that space, it's just bliss. But there are times when I like God to just be my friend. Maybe I need somebody to talk to or I need yeah. advice. And so I found that that, you know, we're taught in the West, or at least I was taught that. I think this applies to a lot of Western teachings and certainly Western religions, that God is, is somewhat unapproachable, that, right. that you have to be perfect. And even then, if you're good, uh, you will stand at the back of the line and let everybody <laughs> cut yeah. in front of you. Yeah. If you want to be humble. Right, right. And, and so my idea of God was kind of early on unapproachable in that way, or at least not personable. But as I started to see, be exposed to others like yourself, like Ron Roth, my time in India, Yogananda, it started to change. God became my friend. You know, and I thought that was blasphemy before. Like, isn't God God? You better not call it your friend because right. that means equal and you're not. Right. uh, But the truth is you are, you know, and and Ron was a a great example of that in in his friendship with the Holy Spirit. And that that is equally important, having that personal relationship. You know, I know a lot of people that escape, so to speak, to that blissful place. But we also need that personal relationship because that lives in us. Um, You know, it's, it's not just an escape. It lives in us, and it it can guide us. It, 
gives us the guidance and the information. And yeah, so there's times, yeah, I like to be blissed out, but there's other times, look, I'm working with this person. She's got cancer. She needs help. (laughs) I have found that that personal relationship with God, again, as Ron Roth used to say, is is such an integral part of our experience of the all that is. That's beautifully said, Gary. Of course, Ron Roth was a leader in that, and I got to watch him for 28 years enter into that place, and he coveted that place, and he knew how aware the Holy Spirit, God, was to him, and he treasured, he coveted that space, and no one could break that, even me. As you're saying this, Carrie, I'm being in remembrance of, you know, my own relationship with the Holy Spirit and also how it has changed. And you you said a very personal thing that just to be in relationship, personal, friend, you know, there's that intimacy. And I'm learning more and more I crave that. It, like, starts my engine. When I can reset place, bliss is something else, but relationship with the Holy Spirit, that tenderness, that the whispers that I hear. And all I need is one word, one phrase, and I'm lit up in a sense. And it's like it sets my field, so to speak, my parameters where then I can enter to that day and I trust the Holy Spirit is with me because, as you said, Carrie, and I agree, the Scripture says he's within us. So... There is a tenderness, and if, I think it comes in maturity. That doesn't mean you can have it in day one, but some of us, like myself, take a longer journey to create this, I call it, open door or that knock on the door that I'll answer every day, especially in the morning for me when I create my space. How does that affect you, sis, in your own relationship with the Holy Spirit? Well, you're absolutely right. It's that intimate relationship with God and calling upon the Holy Spirit, what comes to my mind, I mean, you could be in nature, you could be reading a scripture, whatever floats your boat, really, is God is in everything. You guys are right, absolutely right. I personally, there's so many ways and that uh, I remember in California, as as an example, when you would stand up there and you would pray and you would open up this giant energy field that I'd watch it come down and open and as the band's playing and everyone's singing, the vibrations are going higher and higher. And I I just watched how the energy field just went through the whole room, the hotel, all of California. I said, Jesus, you people have no idea how much blessing you're getting here. And I would be tuned in, tapped in, turned on, and I would say, oh, here we go. You know, I would call you and Bobby and Dana, the three wise men. And I wasn't making a joke. I was being serious because think about the three wise men. They followed a star and they found Jesus. So when you opened up that vortex in California, we would do prayers and sing and meditate and you would put hands on people. You were opening up your toolbox and giving people the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I would watch you three and I would follow you. And I know the girls are like, oh, but your station's over here. And I'm like, nope. Uh, (laughs) Holy Spirit's telling me, go over here, go over there, put your hands on this one, put your hands on that one. Oh, Andre needs water. I'm bringing it. You know, I would just follow what Spirit told me. I would listen. I would be obedient. 
And I think that's what, no matter where we are, if you get that, you get that call from God to, if he told me right now, go stand in the middle of the street and just stand there, I would do it. Because it's that single moment of grace that can pay you back more than what you ever deserved in life. It's that gentle joy, that state of prayer that you're constantly in. And and your soul can feel it. Talking about either our fall or spring retreat, you know, and a lot of times Carrie's one of our presenters. And I remember one of the last times, uh, you know, it's been a while since we gathered because of the pandemic, but yet, Carrie, you led a, a... I think a oneness blessing or something like that. And I remember everybody was laying on the floor. And, you know, we're talking about God, spirit, and all paths lead to that divine. And after your or during your presentation, there was such a movement of the spirit within that program, devotion, however you would describe that. But in my own world, it's like I was like floating on a cloud. So Mm -hmm. to me, the, the expression of, who's ever presenting, you know, whatever form, I'll call it religion, spiritual tools that they're using to bring forth the beauty of that's within us, that it matches that same love of God in a sense. And to me, it's tangible. And I don't know if you would use that same term, Carrie, when you lead your group, but there's something tangible that happens because to me, it's the Holy Spirit the angels, the saints, all working towards your intention. Could you speak a little bit about that, Carrie? So Ron used to say, it's not the form. It's not the mm. prayer, per se. It's yeah. not the words. What releases the power of the Spirit is this heart-to-heart connection with God. Yeah. And I often think the, the more grown and I experience the Spirit, the more I see it, the words are really only necessary for us to, to bring us to a point of surrender or emptiness. Mm. Uh, I, we could talk about knitting or, or you know, how to tie your shoe. <laughs> but if the heart-to-heart connection is there with the spirit, transformation will happen. Healing will happen. People will get insights. They will be transformed. So I've seen that the words, they're only really necessary to get us to surrender because ultimately, as they say, all learning is unlearning. This, oh, yeah. this mind, this ego, ultimately, it wasn't meant to run the show. It was the universal right. mind that was meant to run the show. And, mm. and so in that sense, it's unlearning and it's surrendering. And that means not just the things we don't like, but the things we like about ourselves or about others. Even that, even concepts of justice inequality and these things that we think are maybe sacred we still have to surrender even that because the spirit who knows how the spirit is going to work it may look unjust or or, uh, to a lot of people it may look politically incorrect and yet it's the exact right thing at the exact right time and only when we're surrendered to that level can that present itself in that way We've experienced that with Ron. I've experienced that with you. Same way with you, sis. <laughs> we could here. I could uh, define it a little more. We all are a tool, <laughs> but yeah. we need to let go of our tools in order to become the greater, in a sense. Let the spirit, you know, in in the scriptures, it talks about our heart. It says eternity lives in our heart, and so mm. once we get to that place of 
divine love, oneness, eternity manifests itself. And it changes atmospheres, it changes people, it changes body type. All these beautiful things that we're all looking for, because we can use the term, I'm looking for healing, and that could be in many dimensions or uh, physicalities. But yet, if we're going after God, God has everything. And so to me, that's why Ron Roth always pointed to the Holy Spirit, says, seek first the kingdom, seek God, and everything else will be added. And to me, that's such a a beautiful state of being. I was listening to a a talk the other day by a gentleman, Dean Braxton, and he had had not a near-death experience. He died uh, for an hour and 45 minutes. They couldn't resuscitate him. But then he he met Jesus. He met his in-laws. He met his grandfather, you know, all the people that had died before. But I've never talked to a person who encountered Jesus in heaven, came back, says, you're not done yet, you're not cooked yet, you got to come back. But he talked with a different flavor. He talked with a different essence. And we got to ask questions, and one of my questions was, I'm thinking about death. It's like, well, how am I going to die? Well, that means I'm going to have to lose my breath. And it's like, oh, that means like suffocation. It's like, where's my breath? And he goes, it's not that way. (laughs) He said, Spirit goes first, and then the body dies. And, you know, Mm. when he said that, everything inside of me was just so at peace. I went, oh, my God. I believe that it's a scriptural also that it comes with that. And I never saw it in that way because he said there was no fear. You were just there. And it's like that's the the essence of presence. Mm. Every time he would ask another question and answer it, there was this mystery behind it. And so, like you said, and Ron, we have to unlearn. And that's what I felt myself doing during his conversation. So even in our conversation tonight, what's happening in your heart? What's happening in your mind? Something is stirring or positioning itself for the greater work. To me, we all have people, spiritual mentors, authors that we like to either meditate on, do services towards being in their presence, or just reading. So, sis, what's on your agenda, or what's one of your one or two of your favorite that you get inspired to, whether it's reading, meditating, or just being with? Well, I recently really got into Carolyn Mason, some of the work that she's doing, because she talks a lot about Teresa of Avila. Oh, yeah. And... I've been listening to some of the audio books of Teresa of Avila because I travel a lot in the car to and from work. And it just, the, the woman was amazing. I just got done with her autobiography, which was kind of amazing. And Carolyn Mace talked about a book where only love can go. Now, there's no author. There's, it's just the cloud of unknowing. And what it is, is it's a little prayer book that you say these prayers for 30 days. Every day you say it in the morning, and then there's a night prayer that you say. And no one knows who the author is. And uh, Carolyn seems to think that it's a monk. And that really fascinated me when I did that prayer for 30 days. It seemed like different doors opened up. There was, for me, there was like a healing, a love to be content and happy and just be content with being home because it was during the pandemic, 
to me, it seems like when you slow down, you have to feel. And uh, when you feel, you have to heal. And when you heal, you got to grow. And sometimes slowing down is the most productive thing you can do. And I spent a lot of time walking and listening to some of these audio which were pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, Carolyn May seemed to be the one, and Teresa Vavala were my go-to during the two months that I was uh, held down in the pandemic. Just two months. You did well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my insurance company would not insure me during the pandemic, and then when they realized that it was a health benefit, they let me go back to work, and they insured me. So wow. uh, I was able to go back in the chiropractor's office, and boy, I couldn't wait to get out there, you know, because there were so many people, the the mental state that they were in from sure. the fear and helping them give them a little peace of mind and yeah. doing some healing work really, really helped a lot of people. Yeah. And just being with people. Of, yes. You know? Oh, that was a blessing in itself, too. The one person in particular I remember is this little retired nun. She was St. Francis, and she came to me and she says, I just want to sit with someone and feel the Holy Spirit. I said, honey, you came to the right place. Let's just sit here. And, And we sat, her and I, and she did some really profound prayers. And I think I said to her, Sister, this is a freebie because you you gave the healing to me. I didn't give a healing to you. But, yeah, these little things that God throws, these little pebbles that he throws your way, the nuggets, the nuggets, the nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. Harvesting all of those. That's beautiful, Sif. Yeah. We all have our different, I don't say favorites or seasons, and it seems like Carolyn Mace is yours right now, which is beautiful. So how about you, Carrie? What What is your flow, or do you have one? I do, although I don't read as much as I used to. It seems that the, the more we find the divine within, then what else do you need? But right. I, could I read one for you? This is Saint sure. Catherine is is one that I I really like. She was a mystic. She lived in Italy in the 1300s, and she was a martyr soul. So she took on the karma of others. She died at an early age in the early 30s, I believe. Wow. But she was. She was known as a mystic, and this is one of my favorite writings, poems from her. So she had these these conversations, direct conversations with God ever since she was a a small child. So here she's saying, she's basically asking, why is there harm? Why is there negativity? Why are there bad things in the world? Even her, who would later become a saint, is still asking these things. Wow, yeah. um, so she says, I talk about it sometimes with him, all the suffering in the world. Dear God, I have prayed. How is it possible? All the horrors I have seen, all the atrocities you allow man to commit, when you, God, are ever standing so near and could help us, could we not hear your voice say no with such love and power? Never again would we harm. Okay. So even for her, her consciousness is in right and wrong, good and bad holy and unholy. And so God replies to her, he says, and my Lord replied, who would understand if I said that I cannot bear to confine a single wing and not let it learn from the path it chooses? So God is telling her inherent 
in the quality of God, in unconditional love, is this freedom. This, it's part of the love of God. It's part of unconditional love. It's not just God just read it on a bulletin board and says, okay, I can't interfere here. I got to let him do it. Right. No, it's, it's inherent in the love. So Catherine, you know, she's very honest and authentic. So she says, but what if a man walking lost in the forest, weeping and calling your name for help? And unknown to him, he is headed for a covered pit with sharp spears in it that will maim his flesh when he crashes through the trap. And God replies, yes. Why don't I remove every object from this world that could cause someone to weep? Yes. Why don't I speak in a way that could save a life? I opened up my hands, and the infinite ran to the edges of space, and all possibilities are contained therein, all possibilities, even sorrow. In the end, nothing that ever caused one pain will exist. No one will begrudge me. God is saying creation is a dream world. Nobody really dies. Nobody. So what we label as good or bad or holy or unholy it's important because this is the world in which we learn and grow and find our divinity. But in, in, as far as ultimate truth of ultimate, something bad happened to somebody or bad can happen, God is saying, no, in the end, beyond creation, nothing that ever caused one pain will exist. No one will begrudge me. The absolute innocence of all within my creation takes a while to understand. There is that absolute innocence. I've been there in that space, that consciousness. We aren't, at one level, we aren't even responsible, not just for our actions, but even our thoughts. And yet, we have to play the game as if we are, because that's how we learn. But if you could move to the level of God consciousness, you would see the absolute innocence of all within creation, and you would be able to accept all within creation, just like God did. Wow, there's the mystic wisdom. Mm. That's so beautiful. Trying to understand what exactly you just read about and apply mm-hmm. it to our lives can be a leap sometimes. But the, the possibilities of what you just read to be right, in a sense, our spirit will tell us that. We might maybe can't comprehend it, but our spirit says that's the way home even though we might have the resistance because it has that word of suffering in it, pain in it, but it really is, there is no opposite of God in a sense. And this author that you just spoke about, I spoke about this gentleman that I met, Dean Braxton. He hadn't, when he saw Jesus, you know, and he says, well, it's a different form than what most people think, because he said it's just energy. It's not necessarily a form, but just the brightest light he ever saw. And he realized Jesus was talking with him, and he says, everything that you did in your life, I knew about, and I brought you back to today right now. And every thought you had, every desire you had, every misspoken word, and he said whenever he uh, interpreted, in a sense, in a moment, he knew all this. And he says, he just felt the love of God, and he said he just went on his knees and he just bawled and bawled and bawled, realizing everything we did on earth was for a divine purpose, good or bad. Mm. And just as that's what this mystic is saying, the same thing. There, There is no suffering, because when you're in that God consciousness, everything disappears, and just that 
love of God, love of creation is right there. And it's like, I feel like the Holy Spirit is tugging on everyone's heart right now. So I want to go to that place. I want to have that experience. And to me, that's what this spiritual garden is all about, to seek. But that presence will show up in you and me, in Seth, and all of our listeners tonight. Because to me, there is no understanding why you called in, because we all want to be loved beyond measure. We all want that God experience to expand in us. And to me, it's the the one and the same. My reading, I was reading in a book called In God's Soaking in God's Presence by Lehi Halen. And he, he talked about in, I think it was in John, where if you're a person of the scriptures, uh, you would remember that in the scriptures it says John was Jesus' favorite, even though John wrote it. <laughs> but it's in there that he was the closest to Jesus. And if we picture the Last Supper, they were lounging, of course, you know, by this table, and they were having their last meal. And it said that John leaned on Jesus' heart in that connotation, that picture that was being shown was he knew how close Jesus was, I call it, to the Father. And so Jesus mentioned during this time, is like, well, someone here is going to be, betray me. And it says that Peter looked at John and says, who is it? Now, why would he ask John, who is it, when Jesus says, there's someone here that's going to betray me? It's only because of that leaning into his heart that he could hear actually the Father's voice, because Jesus always said that I only do what I hear and see the Father doing. And so there's that divine oneness. There's that mentorship. There's that relationship with the Holy Spirit. So for you and I, as listeners and as presenters, we want the best for each person here on this call. And to me, is that divine union. I would call it one form or one tool would be prayer. I would like to end this conversation with prayer this evening. We can start with Sis and then Carrie, and then I'll follow through and end it with prayer. But this is such a rich deposit right now. And I really sense the atmosphere in your home, your hearts are changing. And we really want to make room for it and allow that healing expression to bless you, to heal you, to restore you. So, Rosemary, Sis, would you begin our prayer time? Okay, I'd like to read a night prayer from this book of unknown monk, whoever he was. It's an ending, and hear it here along with you in the gathering darkness of this night. Remind my heart that all my best efforts at earning your love, all my prayers and striving, all my sorrows and pain amount to very little here in the dark, where only love matters. Let them be forgotten. Let the sharp dart of my longing love pierce again and again the dark cloud of unknowing that is forever between you and me, Lord. Let this love destroy the root and ground of sin within me and nourish my affection for you as the single object of my love. Amen. Amen. Beautiful prayer to end our day and our thoughts. And go into that abyss beautifully said, sis. How about you, monk Kiri? Okay. You know, the divine uh, preparing for tonight. 
and said it was going to come to you in a very powerful way. So I'm feeling what you're feeling, Padre, as well. Probably you too, sis, and other people on the yeah. call here. Yeah. You know it's coming. It's, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's here. Yeah. It's here. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but God needs our permission, too, because it, mm. it's not just going to steamroll your life. You're God, too. And so I'd like to ask everybody to surrender. Surrender their mind, their thoughts, their beliefs, all concepts, good and bad, right and wrong, holy and unholy, all concepts. Just lay them down on the altar and surrender them at the feet of the divine and give the divine permission to transform you in the way that only the divine knows what's right for you, exactly what's right for you. Can be different for everybody else. So, oh, great spirit, divine, sacred, friend, merciful light, creator of the cosmos, indweller within all. We surrender our concepts of who we are, what we think, even what we believe at your holy feet. Wash us, cleanse us, prepare us to enter into your world, your consciousness, your light, so that we may experience ourselves as God in human form. Let no limitations come between us. We ask for this pure, holy light to shine within us and burn away all that we thought we were, as well as all that we thought we were not. Come, Holy Spirit, enact your grace now. Let your light shine within us, now and forever. Amen. 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 Such a holy flow of that essence of spirit. You know, Carrie really um, set us all up for that divine union tonight. And you're already experiencing that. It's only our yes to come near and to draw near. And as we let go, just allow that the energy of the Holy Spirit now just to penetrate our hearts, our bodies, our minds, Put us in a place of rest, meaning God's rest, not our own, but a supernatural rest. Let the veil be lifted and let that divine light reveal a heavenly father, a heavenly mother, a heavenly brother, a heavenly sister, heavenly angels and animals. I just sense heaven drawing near to our abode, to our health right now. The Holy Spirit is breathing, like Sis um, said in the beginning about paying attention to our breath, the, really the essence of who we are. God breathed. Ron Roth always, one of his favorite prayers was, God, 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 which is a Yogananda prayer chant. There's power in that name. There's power in that essence. So Holy Spirit, do your work, your magical work, your invisible work. People who have illness, disease in their bodies, everything now in this holy present dissolves and recreates brand new organs. I thank you, O Lord our God, brand new immune systems, brand new bone structures, ligaments, cells. Just there's such a clarity, such a presence. You might be feeling the heat or maybe even a smell, a fragrance. That's the master. 
at the beloved as we bow to the feet of the master, surrendering, hearing the heart of eternity beating for you, for me, for us, our country, this universe. There's something very palatable happening now. The angels are doing their amazing work, healing, restoring. Many of you are sobbing. So be it. For the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit, doing her work, washing our feet, loving our faces, that tenderness of knowing that we are loved beyond measure. We thank you, O Lord our God, for great grace tonight, for that manifestation of healing, reconciliation, but most of all, intimacy. And to you I see the vast universe of how much God loves us and each other. I thank you, God, for loving on us tonight. I thank you for everyone on this call, everyone and their families, their workplace, their community. May all of us and them be at rest, God's rest. May the holy souls, the mystics, the light beings continue to guide us into that place called paradise, that divine union with God. Let us rest in the stillness of his, her presence. Amen. Amen. Not very many words can be said after this. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Reverend Carey, novice sis, for being a part of this beautiful service tonight. And we'll be praying for each of you as we continue on. Namaste, everyone.